Hello, everyone. I'm Alejandro Choza, General Manager of Uber in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome to our partner podcast series. On today's show, I'm talking with Matt Haight, a member of our Uber team here in Seattle. He's going to tell us about his current position and share some stories and tips from his time as an Uber driver partner for over a year. Matt's a great example of someone who used the Uber platform to make ends meet as he transitioned into a new career. Matt, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Ollie. So I know you have a long history with Uber, but first, let's start with where you are today. What's your current role? So my role currently is as an operations manager for the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Basically, my job is all things driver, Uh, whether that's working with the communications team on communications to drivers or understanding some of the data that surrounds uh, our driver metrics um, or or whether it's working with driver earnings or, you know, the new airport holding lot or regulations. It's all things driver. Thanks, Matt. So can you tell us a little bit about your day-to-day? What are some of the projects you're working on now? Sure. So uh, one of the projects I'm working on right now centers around the estimated time of arrival for a driver on a pickup. Uh, We're trying to improve the longest pickup times. Um, So making sure that we're optimizing the dispatch to the correct driver, making sure that we are getting uh, drivers that are going in the right direction, that are not traveling, say, on a one-way street going the wrong way that's going to take seven turns to get them to the correct direction, Um, making sure that that pickup experience is as quick and optimal as it can possibly be. So now let's talk about how you got here, Matt. As I mentioned at the top of the show, before you worked here at Uber, you were a driver partner for over a year. Tell us more about that. Sure. So uh, back in 2015, I was working for a company up in Everett making the guts of lasers. And I, you know, it was a very interesting job, um, technical manufacturing. But unfortunately, with my current financial situation, uh, my girlfriend at the time was trying to become an independent artist. And I just wasn't making enough to make that work. So initially, my plan was to take on Uber as a second gig. And decided that, uh, you know, I, I thought this would work on the weekends and it's something that I could do in my free time. And on the 29th of January in 2015, I signed up and, uh, completed my first trip. And that first weekend, I very quickly realized that I could make much more money driving for Uber, uh, than I could at my $14 an hour job. In fact, I was averaging about $25 an hour at that point. Um, so I poured myself into it. I drove for, as you said, over a year. My last day as a driver was Valentine's day in 2016. Uh, I did the Hulu night in promotion. Um, and that was my, my very last act as a driver. Um, I completed 3,199 trips and I accumulated a 4.97 rating over those trips. So I was, I was pretty proud of, of my time as a driver. Wow. That's quite a rating. Uh, I'd love it if you could share a little bit of tips for other drivers around how to improve your rating. Sure. And actually, uh, the reason my rating was so high is I actively tried to improve it. So when I first started driving, um, you know, of course, for those first 50 trips, as I now know, your rating doesn't calculate until you hit that 50th trip. So for those first 50 trips, it showed a five-star rating. And then when I hit that 50th trip, I saw it drop to 4.84. And very quickly over the course of the next couple of weeks, it plummeted all the way to 4.74. 
and I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong. I felt like I was providing good service. I wasn't being rude to passengers. I wasn't driving dangerously. I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong. And what I came to realize was that passengers were looking for that little extra. So I started providing bottles of water. And from there, I escalated to providing gum. And that was enough to get my rating back up into the 4.81, 4.82 area. But for me, as with most drivers, that rating is a real point of pride, right? Uh, so I wanted it as close to that five-star mark as I could get it. So what I did, and now granted, this isn't necessarily for all drivers, and it did cost me a little bit of money. But what I did was I created a candy bag for the back seat. I had a little orange lunchbox cooler, soft pack cooler that uh, held every day. It had a Red Bull. It had a coffee. It had a coconut water. It had some candy bars, a piece of fruit, whatever somebody might want when they got in the car. And not everybody took something. But the fact that it was there, the fact that they had the option, I saw my rating skyrocket. And it took about a month for me to get back into the 4.9 range after that I never saw it drop below 4.9. Now that you work at Uber, what are some of the learnings you've took from being a driver into this new role that you can apply to your day-to-day? So one of the things that I've really taken to heart is that my experience on the road gives me the ability to understand what it means for a driver to have to sit in traffic, right? Or drivers that sit in the airport queue for an hour waiting for a trip, right? With some of the new things that we've got coming down the pipe here, one of the things that I've been working on is uh, improving the pickup experience and optimizing where a driver can pick up a rider so that it's safe and that we know that it's not going to be in a difficult pickup area, say a one way that's difficult to get out of or an extraordinarily busy intersection. Uh, so, so that's really been one of the one of the deep learnings that I've taken away. Um, another one is. To, to communicate with drivers. Uh, when I was a driver, I didn't meet another driver for the first four months. And for a long time, it felt like, you know, is there anybody out there doing this? Am I the only one? And we've come a long way in the communication that we give to drivers and that, that we have opened to drivers. But furthering that and using those channels that we've created is something that's very important to me because the more we can empower those drivers, the better the user experience will be for the driver and the rider and the more the platform will grow. That's great, Matt. And, and we, we really appreciate the unique perspective you bring to, to this role uh, with your past as an Uber driver. We think it really helps us understand what we have to do to really serve our partners in the best way possible. So thank you for that. Is there anything that has surprised you as you've come over from being a driver to an Uber employee? So the biggest thing that's surprised me is how far we've come. Uh, I've been part of Uber in one way or another as a driver or as an employee for about three years now. Um, in fact, my three-year anniversary is about a week from when we're recording this. And uh, we've come a long way. Um, we communicate with our partners better than we did when I first started. When, when I first started, it was email support or partner support at the partner support center only. Phone support wasn't a thing. Uh, now we've got 24-7 phone support. The partner support center was down on 2nd Avenue where you had to pay for parking and you were very likely to get a ticket because the cops were brutally vicious down there. 
But now we're down in Tukwila where you've got free parking and you've got inspections on site and the Soto lot is, you know, frequented for not only the inspections, but also for the expert that's on call there. And the way that we communicate with our partners today has gotten so much better than it was three years ago. And the path forward only looks brighter. And I'm, I'm super impressed at how far we've come and, and how we're going to continue to progress. So every driver partner has some interesting stories from the road. Any you want to share? Yeah, there's definitely two that stick out in my mind and, and potentially a third. Um, the first one, there was a uh, pickup that I had at the ferry dock. And anybody who's picked up at Coleman Dock downtown has run into a very similar issue. So there's a pedestrian overpass that goes up Marion, that there is an exit on Marion and Western. And that is the logical place to pick up. That's where all the black cars wait. That's where all the town cars wait, right? That's, that's the logical place to pick up. Saw the passenger was coming in on the ferry. Passenger called me. I asked her to meet me at that location. When I arrived, I sat there, waited, 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 finally called. And she said, well, I'm standing right here where you told me to on Marion and Alaskan. Where are you? Well, anybody who knows that area knows that Marion and Alaskan is actually under the viaduct in the construction area for the tunnel in a place that you cannot stop. It's physically not safe. It's a hundred percent illegal, but she refused to come to me. So I went around the block, finally got to her. It took me about seven minutes to get to her because it was a pretty high traffic Sunday. When I got to her, she had luggage. So I load her luggage into my car and her and her friend jump in the back seat and say, we need to be to SeaTac in 15 minutes. Our flight leaves in 25 minutes. Needless to say, I got a one-star rating on that trip. Did she get to her flight on time? She did not. She <laughs> that, did not make not her flight. That is not surprising. Um, the second story I'd like to share is probably my favorite rider. And that was a gentleman that I picked up on uh, uh, Lower Capitol Hill. He's a 92-year-old gentleman who was going to the Swedish club to go dancing. And I actually picked this guy up three different times, each time going to the Swedish club on a Friday or Saturday night to go dancing. Uh, 92-year-old man, uh, mostly blind, needed help getting into the car, could get to the car, but needed help getting in. And when we arrived at the Swedish club the first time, I was prepared to jump out and help him out and you know get him into the club. Didn't need to. There were three old ladies waiting for him. As soon as we pulled up, they opened the door, helped him out, and were ready to dance. It was one of the cutest things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and and the last story I'd like to share um, is actually a, a personal point of pride and, and the best tip I ever got. Um, I picked up a passenger out in Issaquah late on a Friday night. I had turned my app on because I was down in the southeast hanging out at a friend's house in Maple Valley, and I was on my way home. I turned my app on, and I got a ride. And she was going pretty close to where I live. She was going to the very northern tip of Lake Washington. When I got her in the car, she didn't say anything to me. She basically just fell asleep. And when I got her home, she says, wait for me, wait for me. She runs in her house, and she comes back out and hands me a fist full of cash. And... I immediately said, I can't take this. This is way too much. I can't take this. I had picked her up from a bar and she said, no, I want you to take it. It's all the cash I have in my purse. Please take it. And I said, well, why? And she said, if you hadn't come pick me up, two other drivers had already canceled on me. I would have driven home drunk. And this is way less than it would have cost me. So here, please take it. It was $186. Wow. That's quite a story. 
So glad that you were there to, to, to drive her home safe. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Thank you, Matt, for sharing all the helpful information with driver partners, and thanks for everything you do at Uber. That's it for today. If you want to check out past episodes of the podcast, go to t.uber.com forward slash partner podcast. Thanks for listening.